Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We continue in our series in the discussion of, it's just simple, discipled. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Because if you call yourself a Christian, you really need to be understanding that you are a disciple of Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not be his disciple because a disciple basically means that you are following someone's teachings and you're all in. You're sold out. You have bought in. And you're following. The, and if, if we're Christians, we have to be disciples of Jesus. I'm going to give you a little insight for next week because we're going to discuss the topic and we've been talking about a lot of disciplines as being disciples. What are the disciplines of our lives that Jesus taught us? And next week we're going to talk about the discipline of prayer. And I, actually I was going to preach that message today. Uh, I was prepared to preach the message of prayer today. But then the Lord really kind of moved me off that. and said, no, before you can t- preach the message of prayer, you need to preach the message of forgiveness. And it hit me. It's like, okay. We're going to preach the message of forgiveness. And I want to share this on this topic of forgiveness because I think it leads the way, it opens up, it ushers the way for us into an opportunity to pray. If we want our prayers to be effective, then we need to learn how to forgive. I'm going to say that again. If you want your prayers to be effective, you have to learn how to forgive. Because forgiveness is this spiritual alignment in our lives. And sometimes I think we get out of alignment. Ever feel like you're out of alignment? I have. And all of a sudden I feel like I'm out of alignment and I don't know what's going on, but I just don't feel God. And all of a sudden I just feel like God's putting me back on alignment. My dad (coughs) um, used to love to go hunting. My dad has passed and gone, but my dad used to love to go hunting, deer hunting, elk hunting. And... um, um, he would be invited out from people in the church. We used to live in the state of Washington. Dad pastored in Randall and Twisp, all these mountain areas, and they'd go hunting. And, and Dad would be invited out by some of his friends to go out and, and go deer hunting. And he wasn't necessarily a big hunter. That's right. He wasn't necessarily a big hunter. In fact, let me just give you a little bit of secret. In all the years my dad ever hunted, he never actually killed a deer. He just loved going outdoors. He loved the camping experience. He loved all that. But dad would get ready, and he had this uh, rifle. that was a 30 out 6 and he'd go out, and he, before he'd go camping, because these guys that he went with were serious, and he'd go out, and, and he would try to sight in his rifle, and then he'd go out hunting, and he'd be gone for the week. And I was really young, so I only got to go once or twice as a spectator, and, and my brother used to go hunting with him. And, and when dad come home, uh, we'd ask, you know, his kids would ask, dad, dad did you get anything? We didn't really understand it because we used to say, did you catch anything? Well, he wasn't catching something. He was killing something, you know. And, and dad was come in. He said, no, didn't get anything. He said, you know, something's wrong with my rifle. I, I, I had him in my sights. It's not like dad didn't have opportunity. He had many opportunities, but he always would miss. Something's wrong with my scope of my gun. I don't know what it is, but it just, I just, it doesn't work. And, and, you know, us kids, we started thinking about it and we started figuring out that dad was just sympathetic towards the deers. 
You know, dad had this big heart. When he ever saw anybody hurting or in need, he'd always had this sympathetic heart. And we just figured it out that dad wasn't going, he just couldn't kill a deer. And so he just said that it was a scope or it was this rifle that was off target. Well, after my dad passed away in 2006, I inherited this 30 6 rifle. Or maybe I took it. I don't remember which one it was. But anyhow, I have it. And uh, so we were living in Las Vegas at the time. And the wonderful thing about Las Vegas, you can just go out in the desert and shoot. And it's, so, it's awesome where you want to, if you, if you enjoy shooting guns, not at people or at things, just shooting targets. And, and to put the disclaimer back up again. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> I went out there. There's 30-06, took my boys out there. We put a target out there about 100 yards out and, and uh, got that scope. And thought, man, you know, and I started shooting. I couldn't hit the target. I wasn't even close. I thought, what in the world? And so I came back, and I was at church the next Sunday, and we had some avid hunters in the church. And I started talking to them about it. And he said, oh, you probably need to scope it. You need to align that scope. It's probably not in alignment. And so I said, okay. And so they told me how to do that, how to sight the scope in. And so I went out the next week back out into the desert, and I worked on sighting that scope in. And all of a sudden, I'm hitting the target. But <clears throat> I'd hit it two or three times, and all of a sudden, I'm not hitting the target again. I thought, man, I'm a chip off the old block. I'm just like my dad. I can't hit stuff, you know. And so finally I decided to go to Bass Pro Shop. And, and I went to the Bass Pro Shop, and they have a gunsmith there. And I took the rifle in. I said, this is my dad's, and I'm, try- I'm having a hard time sighting it in. And they started looking at it, and, and he looked at it, and he's investigating. He said, you know, you'll never be able to sight this gun in. Because he said, the mount on the scope is broken. He said, it won't work. He said, you can sight it in, but after a few shots, it's always going to go off. And I started to think of all the times that as kids were making fun that dad, dad was being sympathetic for the deer. And we didn't realize the entire time his scope was off of the alignment. He was never going to hit anything with that rifle with that scope. It was defective. Unforgiveness can have the same effect on our life. You can be doing all the right things. You can be reading your Bible. You can be spending time in prayer. You can be helping the poor. You can be serving the church. But it seems like nothing is making a difference in your spiritual life. You just feel lost. You just feel dead spiritually. And I'm going to broaden this today because I just feel like my spirit right now, I just need to broaden it. Let's just not talk about unforgiveness. Let's just talk about sin. When we allow sin to start to dominate our thoughts and our life or unforgiveness or whatever it might be, all of a sudden we can be doing all the right things, but nothing seems to be happening. And maybe the problem is the scope of our life is out of alignment. There's an interesting story in the book of Isaiah where the Israelites have become frustrated with God. Because God wasn't responding to their prayers. God wasn't responding to their sacrifice. If you know in the Old Testament, one of the ways that you worship God was through sacrifice. And God wasn't responding. Isaiah 58.3 says, why have we fasted and see it, and you see it not? Why have we humbled, humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then in Isaiah 59, we see that God all of a sudden responds to their complaints. And he says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. 
that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Did you hear that? Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The people of Israel were living in sin. They were lying. They were cheating. They were murdering. Their continual sin was without repentance, and it caused a separation between God and them. God was no longer listening to their prayers. David is another person who confirms this whole idea that sin can separate us. And I'm going to get to the grace side, so just hang on here, okay? But sin can separate us from the presence of God. Psalms chapter 66, the King David says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished, say the word cherish. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. The word cherish is an interesting word. It's not that we don't sin at times. We all know that there's times in our life that we sin. But are we cherishing the sin? Is sin what guides our life? Is sin the enjoyment of our life? Or is God the enjoyment of our life? I know, Pastor Tom, I'm brand new. This is my first time. I'm so sorry. I apologize ahead of time, but I just preach God's word. I just have to share it, okay? And I just felt so compelled before we get to prayer next week that we talk about this. Because maybe it's something in my life that I need to deal with as well. Is sin the enjoyment of life or is God the enjoyment of my life? What's the enjoyment of your life? David states cherishing sin would have stopped his prayers from being heard because sin separates us from God. We know that we have forgiveness of sins through Jesus, but we can't be cherishing sin we must be cherishing Jesus. I want to look a little further into this Hebrew word for cherish. And I want to share this because I think it's going to bring something about. I don't know what it is, but I just feel so compelled today to share this word. But in Judges chapter, I did just a little word study on this Hebrew word cherish. And in Judges chapter 14, verse 2, we see it, this word being used again. And it's used when Samson says these words. Samson was a prophet of God. He was that mighty guy. that He's the guy that the Samsonite luggage was made up. No, I don't know if it was or not. But anyhow, Samson. And he says in Judges 14, 2, he says, I have seen. That word seen is that same Hebrew word that is used for cherish. I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. The, that, that word is the same word as cherish. You could be translated that word. I have cherished a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Samson had seen this woman and desired her. See, all of a sudden he desires something more than he desires God. All of a sudden he's desiring something more than his relationship with God. I'm going somewhere here. This word carries more meaning than just a casual glance. It carries the idea of gazing upon, to care for, to desire. It's something in you that you desire so much that you got to have it. Just came into my mind. I'm just thinking about all of a sudden, what's the ice cream place that you got to have it? What is that? Not handles, it's Cold Stone. Thank you. There's like it, love it, and got to have it. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes sin can be that way where all of a sudden I got to have it. It just kind of grabs a hold of you. Something that you can't live 
without. And I want you to grab a hold of this truth I'm going to share today. I want you to apply it to your life because I think some of us need to be released from some things in our lives so that we can just go after God. Is there anything in your life that has captured you more than God? If so, get rid of it. I'm going to say it again. If so, get rid of it. Even our spouse, our kid, man, I love my spouse. No, don't get rid of your spouse, your kids, or your friendships. But they cannot have greater priority than God. That's a tough one. You, you, bring, my, you bring my little grandson, Vinny, up here, and, you, and you know what I'm saying? You guys have kids, you, relationships, like, but they can never be in first position, always secondary position to our Heavenly Father. And anytime we get that out of order, we're in trouble. That's what David is talking about in this scripture about cherish. See, we must cherish our relationship with God above all else. Remember, Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. And it's our responsibility to cherish God above all else. If we don't, you know what it is? It's sin. Pastor Tom, such a hard man. Okay, let me just keep going. The first commandment. How many commandments are there? Ten. The first commandment, at least there's ten commandments in the Old Testament. Jesus gave us some two commandments that we could put them all under. But the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. The word gods can be translated rulers. Anything that rules you more than God is sin. I'll say that one more time. Anything that rules you more than God is sin. If, you, if your wife has more power than God, you're in trouble. <laughs> If your kids have more power than God, you're in trouble. You know, if, if your bank account has more power than God, you're in trouble. If your retirement has more power than God, you're in trouble. If your career, go down the list, fill in the blanks. I, I don't know. You fill in your blanks. It's one of the reasons I give. Not just give time, but I give money. I, I never want money to have control of me. I always want to have control of money in the sense that it's been given to me by God to use for his purpose and never for my own purpose. I never want money to become a selfish item in my life. I always want money to be a generous item in my life. And the way I break that spirit of mammon, that spirit where it tells like this is mine, I give it. I give it. I give it. Give it to a fault, actually, probably. But I do so because I never want something to have control of me over than God. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, Pastor Tom, where are you going? I thought we were talking about forgiveness or unforgiveness, and I am. See, unforgiveness is a sin, and there are many people who have chosen, and I want you to catch this. There, and I, just, I don't know why I'm, I just felt speaking on this message today, but many have, people have chosen to cherish unforgiveness more than anything else. They have made unforgiveness their God. They wouldn't even know how to live if they didn't have unforgiveness. You've been there at work where someone comes in, you won't believe what happened this week. And they start telling, they just all, blah, 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 and all just like, blah, it just spills out, and you're just like, you're cleaning up their mess. And, but they love living in that mess of unforgiveness. It almost seems like it's the motivation of their life. Unforgiveness has captured them, the desire to hold on to it. Never let it go. Many people don't realize 
And this is something so important that I want you to understand. I want you to grab a hold of this. Many people don't realize that unforgiveness is a sin. It's interesting. I normally don't struggle with unforgiveness. If you know me, I, I really forgive easily. I really do. I, I usually things just kind of roll off my back. And I, 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 but this week I was challenged. I mean, challenged more than I have been challenged in a long, long, long time. And not from inside the church, it was outside the church, and someone said something and brought something and kind of falsely accused me, and oh boy, my spirit, it just, it just, I felt this ugliness just start to rise up inside of me. I felt it, it started to grab a hold of me, and I thought, what in the world is going on? And it's just grabbing, how dare he, and anybody been there? And it started to grab a hold of my spirit. I couldn't even worship. I couldn't even prepare for my message. I was getting, getting struck. I realized that unforgiveness was starting to grab a hold of me. I had to get rid of that thing because it's not of God. It is, not, it is of the enemy. And he's trying to rob me of my thoughts and of my feelings and my heart. I can't have that. And the only way you can get rid of it is what? Forgive. Boy, it's so hard to do. Unforgiveness is very enticing because sin is enticing. Our natural person wants to hold on to it. It wants to cherish sin. It's what makes forgiveness so difficult. It's why Jesus said to Peter, when Peter said, how many times do I need to forgive Jesus? Seventy times seven, Peter. Meaning basically, you don't ever stop forgiving in this series, I've referred to Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount a couple different times. But I want to look at it one more time in this teaching. Because tucked right into this teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle, chapter 6, is the Lord's Prayer. And since many of you have memorized the Lord's Prayer in the King James Version, I want to read it together from the King James Version. And I really want us to say it all together. Can we do that? Can we just read? Everybody say it together with me. Go ahead and put it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you notice what's tucked right in the middle of that verse? Did you see it? The, right in the middle of it. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or another translation would be forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The Lord's Prayer stops there, but listen to the next two verses. In fact, I think we should memorize these verses just as much as we memorize the Lord's Prayer. Because the next two verses says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa, Pastor Tom, I haven't seen that verse before. I, where did that come from? Did you add something to the Bible? No. These are Jesus' words. They're powerful words. They're strong words. Forgiveness. 
He was meaning something here. Jesus wanted you to know you need to forgive, man. You can't hold things. Within this simple teaching on prayer, Jesus gives us the importance of forgiveness because forgiveness is what unstops the harboring of sin in our hearts. Forgiveness is what unstops the harboring of sin in our hearts. Forgiveness sets us free from sin. Receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. First, we need God's forgiveness in our life. But secondly, we need to model God's forgiveness to others. Don't be like this person where I'm going to receive all God's forgiveness, but I'm not going to choose to forgive. It doesn't work. Jesus says, I won't forgive you unless you're willing to forgive others. See, the scope by which we measure our life, I many times think if it's on target or not is how is my forgiveness. It's learning to receive forgiveness by God's wonderful grace, and it's giving forgiveness according to God's wonderful grace. If we only receive forgiveness and not give forgiveness, then we're missing the target that God desires for our life. It's like my dad trying to shoot that rifle or like me trying to shoot that rifle. I was never hitting the target because my scope was off. Sometimes what happens in our life, we allow unforgiveness or sin to all of a sudden conquer our life in such a way where we're cherishing it, and it takes our scope and our aim completely off target, and we don't understand why I, I keep praying, Pastor Tom, I keep reading God's Word, I keep coming to church and worshiping, but God just doesn't seem, maybe there's something in your life, maybe it's not unforgiveness, maybe it's something else, that God is asking you, let loose of that thing. Because you cherish it more than me. And I will not turn my ear towards you until you're willing to let loose of it and cast it. Like Brett said, until you're ready to get loose of it and throw it. Cast it. Get rid of it at the feet of Jesus. When we start getting rid of stuff, how do you get rid of stuff? You start coming down to the altars and just say, Lord, forgive me. Set me free. Start being humbled before God. Lord Jesus, I need you. More than anything else in my life, I need you. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, God just starts to break open the floodgates. And all of a sudden, you start feeling God's presence. Man, revival, people being set free, happens when repentance starts to take place. Because also when repentance starts to take place, forgiveness starts to flow. And when forgiveness starts to flow, the presence of God, all of a sudden, the ear, God turns and says, ah, I hear them again. Unforgiveness, sin is like a piece of wax in God's ear. He just, I don't want to hear them anymore. I don't want to listen to them anymore. Jesus made it a priority for his disciples to understand the importance of truth about the forgiveness of sins. It's necessary. It's a reminder that we can exercise all the wonderful spiritual disciplines in our life, but if we forget the basic truth, the basic practice of forgiveness, we will negate all the other spiritual disciplines that we're practicing. Forgiveness is not an option. Say that with me. Forgiveness is not an option. I didn't hear anybody say it. Forgiveness is not, oh, we got to say it again. Forgiveness is not an option. Forgiveness is really a commandment that Jesus gives us because forgiveness is what sets us free from the bondage of sin. Forgiveness is what realigns our life. Even when we partake in communion, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, before you take communion, examine yourselves. 
Make sure that there is no offense that you have against someone else. Make sure you make those things right before you even take part of God's, of, of, of the bread and of the cup of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is what? Our sacrifice. He was the great sacrifice that set us free from our sins. Amen? So we no longer live under that Old Testament law of continual sacrifice. Guess what? We have an eternal sacrifice through Jesus Christ. And so we take communion here at this church on a monthly basis to remember for what Jesus did for each and every one of us. He set us free from the bondage of sin if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This teaching that the Apostle Paul shares, man, examine yourselves before you take communion, really comes from Matthew's teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar, this is Jesus, in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Why would Jesus say, Hey, before you make a sacrifice and you have find out all of a sudden you have something, get, leave it there. Why? Because your sacrifice isn't going to be worth anything if you're harboring sin in your life or if you're harboring unforgiveness towards someone. Go get that right so that when you sacrifice. See, there's times in our life we need to go get this right and then we need to pray. We need to go get this right and then we need to worship. We, does that make sense? It's not that God can't heal you, touch you during worship, and convict us, or convict us at times in our lives. There's nothing. But you can't just keep ignoring and not make things right. As disciples, we strive towards a life of forgiveness. You might ask, how do I know if I have forgiveness, unforgiveness in my life, Pastor Tom? Well, let me tell you my thermometer for my life. I usually get negative cranky, complaining, criticizing, demeaning. Why? Because you're hurt and you hold unforgiveness. So anytime I start feeling myself more negative than I should be, I start to examine what's going on in my life. So what happened this week to me. I started thinking, what is holding on to me? It's unforgiveness. Tom, you have to forgive. There's so many Secular studies that have proven the power of Jesus' words. Say it again. There's so many secular studies that have proven the power of Jesus' words. How forgiveness is so important in our life. How forgiveness brings healing. Forgiveness brings healing in marriages. Forgiveness restores friendships. Forgiveness will restore physical and mental health. The opposite is true as well. Unforgiveness will, will destroy marriages. Unforgiveness will destroy friendships. Unforgiveness will destroy your physical and mental health. It's been proven that unforgiveness can lead to depression, stress, heart disease, high blood pressure. We should never underrate the impact that unforgiveness has on our life. And we should never underrate the impact that forgiveness has on our life. Remember what what David wrote? If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Forgiveness is what purges that from our life. The ability to receive God's forgiveness. The ability to give God's forgiveness. It's not either or, it's both and. It's not either or, it's both and. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant that Jesus shares in his parable when all of a sudden this king forgives this mighty debt that this one servant has. And as soon as, and he begs for forgiveness, and it was a huge debt, and, and, and all of a sudden the king just says, I'm ready to forgive all of it. 
And he immediately leaves the forgiveness and he walks out and he goes into the marketplace and he meets a servant that owes him a few dollars and he throws him in jail because he won't forgive them, him. And all of a sudden, the king goes, how can you not forgive him when I just forgave you so much? And God was wanting us to understand that same truth. That's why Jesus shared the parable. How can you be forgiven, for, be forgiven so much in your life, and yet you're going to want to harbor unforgiveness because someone did something wrong to you, cut in front of you, or did whatever else. I'm preaching to me more than anybody else here today. Unforgiveness is a sin that occupies our thoughts and holds us captive from the blessing that God desires for us. I know this week's message is a far cry from that beautiful message of joy last week. When David wrote Psalm 66, 18, he knew about harboring sin. It wasn't just a random thought or a teaching that David just all of a sudden decided he was going to share with us. It was David's experience. David was separated from God's presence because he was, he was gazing upon sin. You can find that account in 2 Samuel chapter 11. What was he gazing upon? Sin. What kind of sin? Do you remember the story? It was Bathsheba. He was supposed to be at war. It was the time for the kings to be at war. I know that kind of sounds weird, but yeah, that's what it was. Instead, he stayed home, and he's on his balcony. He's overlooking his balcony. He sees this beautiful woman who's married woman bathing, and all of a sudden... Guess what takes place? He's starting to cherish that more than anything else in his life. David cherished her desires so much that it led to adultery and the murder of her husband Uriah. As you can see, David's life was no longer on target. And God had to send the prophet Nathan to confront David because David needed repentance. He needed forgiveness. God knew that he needed to be set back to Right, they needed to recalibrate his scope because he was completely off target. And Nathan the prophet came and started, and to David's credit, he repented of his sins. It cost him, in fact, it cost him one of his sons. It's amazing. David had done so many wonderful things under God's power. He had escaped the attacks of Saul. He killed, King, he killed uh, the mighty Goliath, the giant, with God's help. He had this wonderful anointing. On his life, but David's sin had separated him from God's presence. It's amazing how such, such, something little can just go boom. Listen to David's testimony in Psalms 32. Here's the grace part. You were waiting for it, weren't you? <laughs> Here it comes. The grace part is all we have to do is come to Jesus and throw our sin, our stuff. Say, God, I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of holding on to it. I'm tired of it hurting me. I'm tired of it making my focus in my life. I'm tired that my entire life is surrounded on this. I'm tired that this is what everything is about is this. And God, I'm going to, whatever it is, I don't care. If, it's, if, it's, if, if every Friday night, Saturday night, you have to get drunk to make yourself feel good, you better throw it down on the altars because it's getting in the way of your relationship with Christ. He's not hearing you. I'm, going to, I'm just going to get a little messy today. This is Orange County, Pastor Tom. You can't get messy in Orange County. Yes, I can. We need to. If, if, you know, if, it, if it's having a look at a, I was going to say a dirty magazine. You know how old I am. <laughs> if you're having to get on the website and look at some porn so you can just feel better about yourself, you better start throwing that in because you're cherishing it more than God. 
Boy, the pastor telling him, this is a sunny morning. I know, but God's just speaking to my heart. If someone said something bad about you or, or something that is derogatory about you and, and you just want to take a, ooh, you want to, you better throw that down. If something, if, if your career is so grabbing a hold of your entire life that you just can't think of anything, you better throw it down. Pastor Tom, but how, I'm just telling you, you better give up anything that's getting your way from God. I'm not saying that you can't work, I'm not saying, but if it's consumed you, or you've allowed it to consume you, that's usually more the case, you need to throw it down. Listen to David's testimony. I'm hoping that we have testimonies tonight during worship time that are powerful like this. Psalms 32. Oh, what joy for those who diso- whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose rec- record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, say finally, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. This is King David, mighty warrior of God. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. David's sin was disobedience, and I just want to remind you, I don't know why I feel this in my heart, but maybe it's God just working on me this week, but I just want to remind you that unforgiveness is disobedience. Sin is sin, and sin will infect your life. Only forgiveness will set you free. We'll never fully embrace God's presence if we allow sin or unforgiveness to rule our hearts. If you want God's forgiveness, then we must not only be willing to receive God's forgiveness, catch this, you've got to be willing to give God's forgiveness, meaning you've got to forgive one another. It's God's forgiveness that realigns our lives and sets us back onto target. It's, God, it's our repentance before God if we're dealing with sin that all of a sudden sets us back in alignment with God. If we repent of those things that we think that are hidden that God knows completely, He understands. You can't hide anything from God. We learned that in Genesis. When Adam and Eve tried to hide from they weren't hiding. God knew everything. James, book of James states, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The interesting thing about that scripture, if you look in James 5, 16, the interesting thing about that scripture when he says, confess your sins so that you may be healed, it's not just talking about spiritual healing. It's not even just talking about mental healing. It's actually talking about physical healing as well. Read, the, read that whole context of that scripture, and you'll discover that James is talking about if you want to discover healing, yeah, spiritually, yes. Mentally, yes. But if you want us, even in, in our physical bodies, then guess what? Confess your sins to one another. And you, that last deal, it produces, what does it say? It produces, is it up there still? It produces wonderful results. Forgiveness is a powerful weapon that we can use to defeat the plans of the enemy. 
and as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers and believers here at South Coast Christian, man, I'm tired of playing around. I want to defeat the enemy. I mean, the enemy is already defeated through Jesus Christ, but I need you to grab a hold of that sword. I need you to grab a hold of the weapon of forgiveness, and I need you to defeat the enemy that's trying to attack your life. Because Jesus already defeated him. You're just allowing him to take that forgiveness and start giving it and start sprinkling it over things in your life that you need. Or take whatever, the, the heart of repentance and start giving it. So that, guess what? Those things that try to build up in your life, you start tearing them down and watch what happens in our lives. Amen? I believe God has great things for this church. I, I told that last week. I'm not, I'm not, some of you guys, man, here in the near future, you, you latecomers, you're going to miss out on seats. You're going to get here, what? And I'm going, yeah, it's already filled. Sorry, I'll come back later. I can't wait. That's, God forgive me. See how easy it is? Just fall right into it. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray and hope that I know your word has touched me. I pray, God, that your word will touch others. For some, Lord, who maybe are struggling with unforgiveness, that, God, today they will find forgiveness in you. And, God, as they find forgiveness in you, they'll find that forgiveness to give someone else. Give, and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. (laughs) If we give a little forgiveness, huh? If we receive a little forgiveness, we're going to be able to give a little forgiveness. If we give a little forgiveness, we're going to be able to receive forgiveness. It's a two-way street. God, I pray for those who are struggling in that area of their life. Set them free in the power of Jesus' name. Set them free in the power of Jesus' name. I pray, God, right now you speak into their heart. You speak into their lives. Lord God, and all of a sudden they'll feel your presence. And they'll understand that that they no longer need to carry what they've been carrying. Set them free. Set them free from bondage. Set them free from sickness. Set them free, set them free from prison, Lord God, of just of, of the bondage of mental health, Lord God. I pray, God, set them free in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.